Welcome to the Success Journey Show. Let's travel together through the lives of individuals on the road to success. Hey, what's going on, travelers? This is Ricky Venters and Marlon Madden, and we're back with you on the Success Journey Show. How is everyone doing today? Marlon, what's good, bro? Hey, man, living the dream as usual. You know it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, man, I'm I'm here, and I am... um, I am uh, hyped up on, on meds, man. You know, la- last week I got these uh, wisdom teeth pulled out. And, um, you know, I was telling you, I was talking to the receptionist and she was like, oh, you know, you'd be good. You'd be straight in two hours. And I was like, all right, cool. So I had, you know, we had a podcast planned that night. You know, we'll get ready to, you know, get into some other stuff. And that weekend and um, I sat down in the chair and the doctor was like, yo, you know, you're going to be out for a couple of days. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Little did I know, man, once he yanked those two wisdom teeth out, man, the pain that was I was dealing with for a day and some change, man, was unbearable. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still up on medication now, like day four. But, um, yeah, definitely an interesting yeah, experience. Yeah, man, I remember bro. you called me that night. You're like, hard for a whole lot. That's that's how he yeah. sounded. I should have. I should have I told him to do the show, man. I should have showed. Nah, you sound good, man. You sound great. <laughs> that would have been our best yeah, show yet, man. Show ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> hey, yeah, man. But yeah, good man. Why don't you uh, introduce who we uh, have on the show? Today, we have man. a very special guest. Hey, this brother. He reached out to me on Instagram. It was organic. How we met and. He was talking my language, but not just only about success, but he was talking about real estate. So I was like, man, I got to get this brother on. Hey, Hussein, thank you for joining us. Thank you, brothers, for having us. Peace. Yeah, man. Peace. Yeah, peace. no doubt, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, thank you for being here with us, man. It's a, it's a privilege and an honor. You know, we did a... Uh, uh, Instagram live the other day. And, you know, by the time this podcast goes out, you guys can still catch it on our news, on our feed. And uh, Hussein jumped in, was chatting with us for a quick bit, giving us some, giving us some of some tips on how to better improve our Instagram live. So we're going to start implementing it, man. And uh, so we appreciate you for that quick knowledge, but we're looking to jump into your story, bro. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. I first started investing in real estate as as an income earner when I was 22, back in 2004, I bought a 50-50 share of a co-op. And I used a strategy that I learned from one of the line of Rich Dad, Poor Dad series, Robert Kiyosaki. The book is OPM, Other People's Money. And one of the strategies in the book was to pay an entry fee. <laughs> So in order to play the game, sometimes you may not be an equal player like everybody else. So you have to do something that the other people don't have to do to get to the table. So to get into this deal, I negotiated with my partner at the time that I would pay the closing costs. And I would be 50-50 owner with him okay. because he had enough cash to buy the property by himself. But I was nagging him, nagging him, like, you know, let me get a shot. Let me get into okay. investing, da 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 and um, he gave me a shot. So I paid all the closing costs and I told him I'd have all the money for half the property within one year. So what I did was I took out six credit cards at one time. And, and I maxed all of them out, zero interest, because I had the promo 
promo rates, my, my was, was not good after that week. So yeah, <laughs> I took all six cards, uh, cashed out all the money, zero interest, and I paid him in one lump sum. He was astonished. And I could tell you more about that story later, but mm. basically, like how I got out of the credit card debt, I could tell you that story. But, um, you know, fast forward to where we are now, um, <laughs> several properties deep in a few cities across America, we're expanding. And uh, what I do now is I help people who don't know about investing or maybe intimidated or fearful, or frightened of investing. I help them navigate from A to Z. And I also take other people who already know about investing. I help them diversify their funds, invest in other cities that they may not be involved in. And basically that's pretty much, pretty much what I do. I help regular everyday class people uh, better their futures and live the dream. All right. So let me, let me ask you a question, man. Was it the book that, um, uh, Karasaki's book that actually, uh, uh, stimulated your, your, your interest in entrepreneurship and, uh, just real estate in general, or did you have that? No, early on, even as a little kid, I always, always loved business. My dad was a businessman. He's also a teacher. My mother's a teacher. Uh, my dad is a martial artist. He had a dojo since as early as I can remember. And I always remember him arranging tournaments, okay. dealing with clients, customer service, but it wasn't in such a formal way. Like, just like when a baby's walking, you don't tell a baby, all right, left foot, right foot. You just do the right thing and you have integrity and anybody around that will see that and, and, and you practice. So even I remember a story one time I was in second grade and I came home with a wad of money. And my mother was like, where did you get that money from? Like, did you steal? It? Like, you're going to get trouble. What happened? And I was like, no, nah, I sold cards. Back in the days, I used to collect comic book cards, like, you know, MCU, and all those. So yep, I used to I take my that. doubles yep, to school yep. and I used to sell them to buy more cards and more comic books. And this kid basically came to school with I think 30 or 40 bucks. So we're talking like the early 90s, maybe 80s, like 88, 89, 90. And I came home with like 40 bucks. So you can see how I spent yeah. $40. Like. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so I, I've always looked for a niche. Um, I have t- tons of stories like that from being very young. I've, I've always been uh, entrepreneurial at heart, but the book did help. I did learn strategies. Yes, 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 wow. yes. Um, for me, I could tell you um, kind of same thing, story with me. You know, um, my dad, I'll tell you, my dad only has a grade nine education, but on the business end, you can't trick him at nothing. He numbers, he got it down packed. So I've always, I didn't grow up with my father, but I've always seen him from afar you know, or whenever I did go back to live with him in Jamaica for a little while. And he always had his own, his own company and did his own thing. So I've always had that entrepreneur spirit in me. And, and, and it's something that if you don't act on, you feel like a part of you is dying. Mm. You know, it feels like a part of you is dying if you don't act on it, man. Um, also, you're sharing that you, you know, you're, 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 both of your parents were teachers. Yeah, that's correct. Actually, by trade, a- I'm a mathematics teacher. And I always love numbers. I always love math. People make the assumption like, so you must be amazing at math. And I don't think that that's what makes you a good teacher. If you, if you look at sports, if you take any sport, the best coaches, the best leaders were not the best players. And if you look at the best players, they're the worst coaches. Michael Jordan couldn't do it. Larry Bird couldn't do it. Patrick Johnson couldn't do it. Who's the best coach? <laughs> Pat Riley, Phil Jackson. 
those guys were bench players. Those are guys who had to to work at being on a team. Not that Mike didn't. I'm not taking anything away from the other guys, but I'm saying if you have a natural ability to do something and then you work at it, you become the best. But if you just good and you work hard, you could still make, make it on a team. So what I'm trying to say is I appreciate children who struggle through things and I appreciate their struggle because that's something I had to do. But I always wanted to be great, so I was willing to put in the work. If it came to me naturally, I wouldn't appreciate the struggle. And if you notice, a lot of times, people who are naturally good at something, when they face adversity, they crumble. True. Mm-hmm. So, so, so True. tell me, man, yeah, you, you, you read this book. I'm going to jump back a little bit. You read this book, and you're going off now. You're like, yo, man, I, I want to I get in this deal. Um like the people that were around, let's talk to me about the people that were around you, like the, the immediate people, your friends and all that kind of stuff, man. What were they doing at the time? Like what, when you were diving into these books and you were trying to get these, start getting these deals done. What, well, what was interesting was when, when I was like I said, I grew up in in, in, a, in a city in Brooklyn, uh, no different than anybody else, you know, single, single parent household. And, um, I, you know, I went to school. I graduated on time. I actually could have graduated early, that sort of thing. But I really didn't have anything to do. So if I would have graduated high school at 18 in, in the year 2000, what would I have been doing? I would have been doing the same thing that everybody else on my block was doing, basically hanging out or playing sports. So I'm from, you know, South Brooklyn, Brighton Beach, Coney Island, where the way to make it out is sports, right? Okay. So you got a Sebastian Telfair, you got Stevenson, yep. Stephon Marbury. Yep. So like, yep. I'm, I'm more Bashy's, Bashy's uh, group. So my friends played on his team, played football. So the only kids who were going to college and doing anything were playing sports. I wasn't necessarily the best player, especially if you consider the fact that I'm playing with kids who, who are in the NBA. Right? Yeah, yeah, you know, it's yeah, that yeah, old yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. And my mom said, you know what? I'm, I'm kind of, I don't want you here. But she didn't say it in that way. I had a cousin who moved out to Minneapolis and she said, why don't you go take a two week vacation, you know, see something you deserve it. You graduated high school. I was like, great. It was like the first time I ever really left New York City. Um, so I left and I ended up working for a major hotel chain at 18. And then I ended up working for a Fortune 500 company at 18 where I was managing a $70 million portfolio because I, because I was good at math and because I'm articulate and maybe even because I'm a minority in Minneapolis is 93% white, 7% everything else. So who knows why I got that job, but I got it. I passed all the exams. I did everything. And I was making basically grown folks money at 18 and I'm taking a long way around it, but this is very important because when I was out there, nobody really cared about what clothes you had on. It was snow. It snowed seven, eight months out of the year in Minnesota. Who cares? Everybody out there has a home. Why? Because for 150, 200,000 at that time, you could buy a house on a lake. So the quality of life was different. I didn't know anybody who owned a home in, in New York. All my friends lived in bedroom apartments. I didn't even know you were supposed to have two bedrooms. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't even know people had two bathrooms in their house. <laughs> Like y'all come to Brooklyn, I'll show you where I grew up. Like you know, not, every everybody lives like in a shoebox, right? So, so I went out there and I seen the quality of life and I seen how people were living. So when you asked me the question about my friends, it was juxtaposed because I had my Midwest friends 
who were owning homes and owning cars. And then I have my New York City friends that I grew up with that were taking cabs and trying to stay in the same apartment that their grandmother grew up with to keep rent control. Mm. Correct. So let me let me ask you a question now. And I know when you went back, because I've often seen this a lot, and I just want to get it from your perspective because I don't want to be the person that tells our, our audience, hey, this is what happens. From a person that moved from Brooklyn, you know what I'm saying, down to Coney Island, over to the Midwest, and now you're seeing all these other people owning homes, um, having nice cars, having good jobs. Everybody, nobody cares that you have a, that day's probably an eight ball jacket or probably a starter jacket was the thing, you know what I'm saying, with a Jansport bag and some J's. Nobody cares about that kind of stuff. They just care that you're, you're making a good living. When you went back to Brooklyn and try to explain to your friends what you saw, and that they should come get a Oh, uh, they couldn't relate. How it was crazy. It was culture shock. It was it was weird because I remember I had this one story, like if you know anything about New York, you know Ralph Lauren, that polo culture is huge. So mm-hmm. I remember being yep, in Minneapolis, yep, and this yep. is like before Kanye really I mean in New York everybody knew about that, but Kanye kind of made like the polo bear a little bit more global being from Chicago. So I was out in Minnesota, 2000, with a polo teddy bear sweater. You talking about a $400 sweater in 2000. I'm 18 years old. And I'm at the Mall of America. And these kids, like, literally were making fun of me. Like, yo, why do you have a bear on your shirt? And I was like, you're wearing a silver chain and Uggs. Like, like look, like, you have on a silver chain. I have on diamonds in my chain. I'm 18. I'm wearing, I wish I could show you pictures to verify all this stuff. Like, I have on, a, you know, and you, what are you talking about? And then I looked at it and I was like, I have on a teddy bear on my sweater. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I feel corny. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer your question, but you know, I, I'm not gonna lie to you, brother. Like, I, I felt corny because I'm like, I spent so much money on this sweater, and these people don't appreciate it. And then what started to happen was, you know, the type of jewelry and things that I was spending my money on. Remember. I was 18 years old and I, you know, came from a place where I was going to make minimum wage to a place where I was making more money than my mother. I was 18 years old and my mother was a teacher and I'm not saying she didn't make money. I'm just saying I was 18 and I was working corporate and I was making that kind of money. Very important point. So I was uh, spending money was no problem. And I still had a very small lifestyle, but anyway, to go, to go back to the question was, so then uh, again, it snows. So I really didn't care. So I just started wearing regular basic, no name brand, $20 sweatpants. Uh, at the time, that's like the 3X t shirt era. So it was just like a uh, white t shirt, blue t shirt. Yeah, so you go to Champs and, and you could get five for 20. So I would dress the whole week for 40 bucks. So now what was happening? Yep. All my money was still going in the bank. So when I would come back home, People and I was like known for wearing sneakers. And again, I'll verify all this stuff. Like, cause I'm still good where I could go in anywhere where I grew up and it's not a problem. But what I'm saying is like people are like, oh, you got the new yeah. whatever's. And I and I actually did. I used to buy the sneakers ahead. But when I would tell them, I'm like, man, I would go out there and you know what these guys are wearing? And they were like, nah, I could never ever do that. And then they're like, ah, right, you want to go smoke? And I'm like, nah, like I don't, I don't, I never smoke. And I'm like, nah, I don't want to go smoke. Like, what else are y'all going to go do? Yeah. Like, after you smoke, I'll link up with you. Now you're probably just going to go chill on the corner. And I'm like, oh, all right. Like, where do you guys have jobs? Like, everybody just hustles and you just smoke and then you go to the park and you smoke 
and you come to the corner and you smoke and you chill in some girl's house and you smoke. But then it was culture shock for me. <laughs> and the thing is like, they couldn't understand it because they couldn't see it. And then what the people in the Midwest couldn't see was how privileged they had it because I was from, I lived in a place called Northside Minneapolis. If anybody knows Northside Minneapolis, that's like Westside Chicago. That's like Northside Philly. That's the hood, hood, hood. Like cops were getting shot in broad daylight and you could, you could check all that. That's public, public record. Like cops were getting shot in broad daylight where I was staying. Meanwhile, I'm walking around with thousands of dollars of clothes thinking it's Brooklyn and I could have got killed any one of those days. And I used to get into stuff but what I'm saying is, so I had culture shock on both sides. But what I'm saying is, those people out there could have had beautiful homes. They could have cut their grass, but they chose to be ghetto. And it didn't make sense because the houses were only thirty or $40,000. They could have maintained those houses beautifully. And now that area is gentrified. And I'm actually looking to invest out there. And they clean that whole thing up. And those same $40,000 houses are now $200,000 houses. So, so just... So just that shift of mind, the mindset, and when you actually, just like you said, if people would understand, and this is for listeners, and I don't, I'm not knocking people that want to buy the Phantoms and they want to buy, when I look at a ball player or, or I'm looking at somebody that has money, let's not even go with somebody that's all the way, um, you know, wealthy or rich, somebody that's making a good enough living and they want to go buy a car that's worth $90,000 and they, I understand we want to be flashy. But a lot of times if people just take their money and invest it properly, later on, you'll be more happy with the ending result than just the here and now. And that's what I, 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 I saw that you end up growing into. And that, yeah, that's a yeah. fact. And um, we could take that because I've seen it happen firsthand. And what I tell people, we'll just take, we could use ball players or we could use regular working class people. But let's go with a ball player. Most ball players, and I'm definitely stereotyping, but I think the data suggests so supports what I'm saying. Most ball players are what? Inner city, poor, most likely on some sort of government assistance, most likely in some sort of government assisted housing, right? So we're talking about poor kids. And as soon as they touch money, they, they get that money and they blow it, right? We know the stats that, what is it, five years out, uh, what is it, 70% of NBA players file bankruptcy, NFL players, even less. Because yep. as soon as they get their hands on some money, they have to go uh, compensate for all the time that they were broke and they have to show everybody how good they're doing. And I did the same thing the first time I got a major check that was mine when I sold the property and I, and I got all that money and it was all mine. I did invest some of it, but a very small portion. The rest I blew. And, and I wouldn't even say blew, but I definitely wasted it. And knowing now I could have done way more with that. But, but what I'm trying to say is now we take it to a regular person. Let's say a kid who comes out of college. Most people, they're making, again, minimum wage, $8, $10 an hour. And then they graduate, they get their, they start their professional career with taking home maybe a thousand a check or fifteen hundred a check. And the first thing they do, I gotta get a car, I gotta get an apartment, I gotta do this, I gotta go on a vacation. And what I tell them is why don't instead of going from A to Z, just go from A to B and then B to C and then C to D and invest that money. And then you could have it like your first car does not have to be a Benz. And that same advice was given to me. Mm. My mentor, the first person I bought a property with, my mentor at the time, I no longer do business with him. I outgrew him as a businessman. But what I'm saying, I could give you that story too. But what, what happens is 
I got money and I was like, my first car is going to be brand new off the lot. Da, da, da. Nobody could tell me anything. And I ended up spending a ridiculous amount of money. And now I know that. And I tell that to young people and they don't listen to me either. So, I mean, it's, it, it's, 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 you know, the world we live in. But most people, they don't know how to go from A to B, C to D. When they get money, it's like a fool, a fool in their money splits, man. They, they just have no, no uh, financial literacy. So what I try to do is I try to talk to broke people or people who are coming into money. I try to talk to them before they get the money. So that when they get the money, they make educated decisions. Man, I love it, man. Yo, so you're leaving us on some cliffs, man. You keep saying, hey, I'll tell you more about that later. So we got to go back to the first one you said. So the first one you were like, hey, um, I, I got all these took out, got all these credit cards, maxed all these credit cards out, you know, paid the um, the closing costs for my guy. And that's how I got to my first deal. And you said, hey, man, I, I'll tell you how I paid off all the credit cards. Right. So, so tell us, man, like, you, you know, someone's going to go out there and, and get a whole bunch of credit cards, you know. I would definitely counsel people with that same strategy. I also use that same strategy with some of my clients. But it's, it's, it's uh, very risky if you, don't, if you don't have the right temperament. So I'll give you the real numbers, you know. So I, we bought a condo, a co-op rather. And uh, the difference between a condo and a co-op for people who are listening who may not know is a co-op is a cooperative. It's a large dwelling where everybody owns shares in the investment. So you own stock, but you don't really own the real property. Uh, You pay a homeowners association fee. You pay a due. Uh, A condo is considered real property, but it's a joint with other people in the community, but you do own your property as real property. You still pay HOA, which is a homeowners association fee where the management company takes care of like cutting the grass, the pavement, the the driveways, but it's just a little bit different. So typically you're not allowed to buy into a co-op because you don't own it as real property. The management has more power. So it's important for me to tell you that to tell you how I got into the deal. So my partner found this property. It was $75,000. And uh, they had a lot of empty uh, empty uh, units. So him and a couple of his friends, one of his friends said, you know, I'm going to buy 10 properties. So we were going to buy a dozen properties. So they gave us not only they gave us a discount, they gave us something called sponsorship status. So a sponsor is the person who builds a co-op. And then sells off the shares. So we had sponsor status, which meant that we had the same rights as the developer of the building. So we didn't have to listen to the board. Very important. Because I don't want somebody to go out and buy a co-op mm. and then they try to do the strategy and then they're mad yeah, at me. The, so no, you got to yeah. status. And they rarely get that. But yeah, anyway, yeah. <laughs> so the property, we got it for 70000 cash. Um, mind you, I only had 2500 to get in. Closing course was 3800 and I had to put up 35000 to to get in the game. So I had about 2500 I gave it to my partner because you have to put down a deposit. So the deposit was 10%. It was 7000 So I gave him 2500 And I knew I had all these credit cards. They always offered me those checks, zero interest, zero interest, zero interest. So I got six credit cards and a total of $40,000. I maxed them all out. Mm. And... um. I did something that I always tell people to do when you're borrowing money, always borrow more than you need because you always have a nest egg. So I borrowed 40,000. I only needed uh, at the time like 32 because a couple of months had gone by. So I gave more as money, whatever, whatever, whatever. At the time I was going to school to pursue education 
and I was an assistant teacher, a paraprofessional. So this is all important to the story because the city of New York, if you're a paraprofessional and you're going to be a teacher, they pay for your school. So my tuition at Brooklyn College is 2000 a semester. So that's 4000 a year. The city paid for 18 credits. So I was paying 2000 a year to go to school full-time, out-of-pocket cash. And I was a full-time employee working for the city, benefits wow. and all that. So 2000 was no problem. So I'm paying down the cards, paying down the cards. And a friend of mine worked in financial aid, and she was like, how do you pay for school cash? Like, why didn't you ever take a loan? Long story short, with room and board and tuition and travel and everything, I was entitled to get 22000 It was uh, $21,000 each semester. I was able to get $21,000 a year if I took financial aid. So I took my fight and I think statute of limitations passed on this. So I think we're good. So I, I took my, I took my uh, student loan money, 21,000 and I paid off a couple of the cards and then I moved a couple of the cards around zero interest here, zero interest there. And then I took another $20,000 loan and I bought some more property and I, and I kind of played that game. So I ended up not paying any taxes or interest because um, student loans are tax deferred. And I ended up getting two more degrees. So I kept pushing back the student loans. Now, if you work in the field of math or if you work in education, after 10 years, your loans are forgiven. So after a certain amount of time, I got uh, 15000 knocked off because I was a math teacher in a hard to staff area. And then I also got the rest of my loans forgiven because I was a teacher. So I basically got those properties for free. <laughs> hey, that's that yeah. New York hustler. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You just got to know the rules. And I didn't do anything illegal. And I didn't do I just, I just, I I knew a couple of pieces of information. And like I said earlier, I always look for the niche and all you need is a niche. You know, you don't have to go viral. You don't have to have a million, a a quality base of 50 to a hundred people. You could change the world, man. You you could do anything. Love it. Hey, so Ricky asked you about that story. I want to hear the story of how you outgrew your business. So we'll go back to OPM uh, and also Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which uh, somebody gave to me when I was 18. It was actually at the time I was uh, dating this young lady and her dad was into, uh, what's it called with the the, uh, red umbrella? You know, Prime America. He was trying to get me to buy into that. And I was like, nah, I don't do pyramid schemes, bro. Like, and I, and I always was like the kind of kid that like was like a little bit of a know-it-all. So he kind of looked at me like whatever, but I was also smart enough that I guess he was like, let me see what this kid does with this book. So anyway, that, so that's how I kind of got turned on to Robert Kiyosaki. So shout out to him if he ever hears this. <laughs> but he didn't really like me back then, but I'm sure right now where I'm at. But anyway, so, you know what I'm saying? So thanks for that. You got me here. Um, so my partner... You really didn't believe in leverage. If you listen, if you remember the story I just told you, we bought the, the first property cash. And to him, saving three or four thousand dollars was more important than putting fourteen thousand down. So for people who may not know, when you buy investment property, the minimum deposit out of pocket is twenty percent. So he ended up putting up seventy thousand of his own money to buy one property. At the time, we were getting like nine fifty rent. But he could only put up fourteen thousand, and we still would have made nine fifty rent. But then he would have carried a mortgage that would have cost him what's the mortgage on eighty thousand at four percent at that time? It's about three hundred. 
Yeah, probably, probably. Not well, because at the time the interest rates were better. You know, it, like, it would cost them three hundred dollars. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the point is, if we're going to use very simple math, is um, so for three hundred dollars, we we would have walked away with three hundred less. But he could have bought five of those properties. So way more bread. So he would be collecting. So we would have been making nine fifty times yeah. five, right? So we would have been making like forty seven fifty. Mm-hmm. And even if you take away the fifteen hundred, mm-hmm. we're still at thirty two fifty. So we would have been making triple the yeah, money yeah, with yeah, the yeah, same yeah, amount yeah, of investment. Yeah. And that's how leverage works. And most people don't really understand the premise. Like, nah, I don't want to be in debt. Debt's bad. But anyway, so uh, he, he owned a couple properties. I did one property with him and he never really wanted to take risk. Mind you, he's my senior, like 40 years. So maybe there was a reason why he didn't want to take risk. But um, I started doing my research and I started dealing with other partners and doing other properties and so on and so forth. And I came up with this deal. And it was a deal I brokered. And again, like OPM, these other people's money. I had an opportunity to make a lot of money, but I didn't have the money. So the premise of the book is, if I can find somebody who can invest, I can make money because I can bring the money to them. So I had a deal with him where we did something and I, was, I owed him $50,000. And I was giving him $500 a month at the time to, to pay back this $50,000. Zero interest. So I was like, listen, I broke this deal. Long story short, you're going to profit. You're going to profit $6,000 a month. You're going to profit $6,000 a month. And all you have to do is give me $100,000. He was going to buy a condo in Florida, which he did buy. He was going to buy a condo in Florida for $100,000. So why would you buy a condo in Florida for $100,000? And your gross rent is going to be fifteen hundred. You're only going to take home five or six hundred. When I could show you how to break up this money, and we're going to buy these properties in Texas, and you're going to take home six thousand a month. I showed him. I had all the numbers. He goes, "All right, so I, I like it." So I was like, "So what's in it for me?" And he goes, "Well, like, what do you want?" And I said, "Forgive the loan." And he said, mm. "Are you crazy?" You want me to you want me to give you fifty thousand dollars? And I said, think of it like this. If I if Marlon or Ricky, if I told you guys right now, I'll give you six thousand dollars every month, would, 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 wouldn't you feel like you I at least deserve ten percent? I would be six hundred. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you're, right. and, and you're that would be six hundred a month. Deal to him. He looked at it short sighted. I wasn't even asking for 10%. I wasn't even asking for a stake in a property. I just didn't want a $500 bill. I thought that was fair. I thought that was more than fair. So what ended up happening? He got offended and I said, all right, so listen, I'm not going to bring any more deals your way. I I was still paying him the 500 in a month. Remember, zero interest. So I broke that deal (laughs) and I own all those properties and I get half that money. And I took the properties and I flipped those. And if you look at if you look at the YouTube channel, you'll see the properties I own in Texas. I own multiple buildings, and I own multiple buildings in other places because that deal spiked and it led me to other deals. So I can't tell you how much money I make now off of that launching pad. And I had another partner who allowed me to get in for a better entry fee and no money down because I was making him so much money. And now him and I yeah, just yeah, do everything yeah, yeah, together, yeah. you know, and he's one of my partners. And when we, when we meet up, you guys, I'll introduce you. So, so his, him being short-sighted 
ended up in a situation where I don't do business with him any longer. And I still owe him a percentage of that money. And I could pay him that money back any day of the week, but I won't because it's zero interest and I'm not breaking my bank. <laughs> why, why would I give him what I could use to buy a building when I could just give him 500 a month? It's not a problem. Zero interest. So he shot himself in the foot and he sees the website and he sees the videos and he's like, oh, that was my deal. He would have made that 50000 back in one year. But so, yeah, that, he'll probably hear this interview too. So hey, that's, 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 that's real. Hey, I'm going to tell you, the same thing happens yeah. to the McDonald's brothers, right? They, 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 when, when, when Croc said, uh, Ray Croc came back to them and said, hey, let's franchise. They said, no, nah, they'd rather sell the whole McDonald's for, I think at that time it was right. $1 million. Back then, right. $1 million was a lot of money. But but in the end result, look what McDonald's right. turned out to be. You know what I'm saying? So because of their, because of their short-sightedness, they, could, they couldn't see what the long-term goal or the long-term um, profit would be, and they end up taking just a short-term girl. Exactly. They didn't want, he wanted to renegotiate because he was the one who grew the business, and, they, and he was actually going broke because his, his interest rate, his cut was only 2%. He actually just wanted 3%. And they yeah. said no, they weren't going to change anything. And Ray Kroc is the founder. Yep, right. <laughs> and his right. last name, you know. Stop. So and, and he was he was uh, like from the movie, right? He said, I, "I don't know if I'm as cold as Ray Kroc." Where he said, "If my competitor was drowning, I would uh, shove uh, what he said um, a hose in his mouth." in business <laughs> I think there's room for everybody to make money and the way that my company works is I give larger shares than, than normal way 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 more to the, to the consumer to the investor to the client because my operation is not a huge operation at this point I don't need to make 80% when 50% will do and we could both win and both grow together I want everybody to win. And that's why I broke so so many deals so fast because people are like, you don't want more money out of it? Like, no. If I make 200, I'm one person. If I broke a deal with 10 people and I make $200 off of each one of them, that's $2,000 a month. That's more than most Americans make. Why would I hurt somebody and try to take 80%? I could do a bunch of small deals like that. Now, you know, just just, just think about that. And people don't look at it like that. People want to... I don't know what it is. I just know me and I want everybody to win and uh, it's working and, and that's why we are where we are now. I, now I say, I tell people who know me, I buy buildings like I buy sneakers and people don't understand what that means and I'm like, if mm. you look at my track record, I'm at a closing every few weeks. Man, no, I, I love it, man. It's inspiring me because, you know, Marlon, he's he's big, big in the real estate. He's been doing it for some time. You know, he's been, um, you know, slowly uh, building me up and, um, uh, just exposing me to it a little bit more. So that, that's definitely the next route that I want to get into on my, on my end. And um, just listening to your story, man, I was like, yo, that that is it's inspiring, man. It's inspiring just to see where you came from. And not to see where you came from, but the choices that you made, you know, based off where you came from. Man. And you was like, you know what? I'm going to make some different decisions. Uh, I'm not going to just be chilling on a corner and just doing this and doing that. You know, I'm actually going to do something with myself. And, um, Look where you are now, bro. And I know you're looking at it. You're like, yo, I'm, I mean, you, you've been on a journey for a little bit, for a bit, but you know, you there's so much more that you can grow to. And I know you have so many other things that you're aspiring, aspiring to do, man. So definitely 
you know, keep it up, man. And we love we love that we're now connected to you, man. And um hoping that we can definitely do absolutely in, in in the very near future. And um I wanna pick Marlon's brain mm-hmm. and learn what's going on. We were talking about some investments and in, you know, in state. Yeah, right. There you go. Yep. And we're going to yep. do that. And we're going to pick Marlon's brain. And uh, if you guys want to come over to Philly and like we said, we'll meet and whatever. And if you could pick my brain and we could all make money together, then why not? Like there's more than enough property for everybody. There's more than enough. For everybody. And, and, right. and the tough thing right. is, and this is what hurts me as a teacher at heart is that you could tell a thousand people. I could tell a thousand people. And, and you could show them the proof and you could put it in writing and you could do the simple math and they can understand it and they can be in a position. And most people just, well, they just won't we'll do it. Yeah. How, how frustrating is that? For you? Let me tell you, I am so frustrated. All right. Let me, t- let me tell you my simple, and, and, and I'm, I'm not going to prolong this on uh, the, uh, 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 the podcast, but you know, just you. I've come from New York. You don't you don't see people like you said. You don't see people buying houses. I saw people buying houses, but it wasn't the average person that bought, bought a house. My mother still lives in the Bronx, and she's gonna she lived at her apartment ever since I don't right. know when, and she's not gonna leave. Right? I don't care if I beg her to leave. I don't care if I ask her to leave. I don't care if she she's not gonna leave the Bronx. She's just gonna. She loves it. She loves going to the to 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 to, to the concrete jungle. Right? So when I got down, to, I bought my first property in two thousand and. I came out from Iraq, 2005. So 2005, what I see everybody, the military pays, you get paid on the 1st and the 15th. Anybody listening to the military to this, please use this as a, um, a building block. You get paid on the 1st and the 15th. The reason why a lot of companies failed is because a lot of companies, people have to use the money that's in the company to sustain their lifestyle. And because it's trying to sustain their lifestyle, they're taking the money that they can invest back into the company and leverage the company, like we're talking about, and they and then they a company end up losing and and closing out, right? But in my case, I get paid on the first and the fifteenth. So when I started to invest into properties and open a clothing store and sell tires, I did all that. You know, I I didn't have to take the money that was the company was generating, Madden LLC, Madden Enterprise LLC. I took that money and just turned it back and just built revenue for the company build capital for the company and just open other, just, just put it into buildings, put it into whatever I wanted to do and not have to use this to sustain my lifestyle. And I spoke to so many military guys. I'm, I'm, I sit down, I talk to my boys like, yo, listen, this is the way to go. You want to, and now we're getting, I'm in 16 and a half years. Some of these guys are just like, yo, when I, when I retire, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm like, man, you've been in for 16, 17 years and you don't understand how your money works. They're still trying to pay off their debts that they accumulated when they were in for five years ago. And the thing thing is, like what they say is like more money, more problems. I know people who, as they, we all do. So I'm not saying it like it's just me. We all do. I think the problem is with people, let's say you make, again, we'll go with a round number. You make $1,000 a month. Okay, you're cool with taking the bus. Now you make $2,000. So now the bus is no longer good enough for you. Now, you, now you're going to take a cab everywhere. Oh, now I'm tired of paying for cabs. You make $2,500. Now, now I need a car. Okay, now you got a car. Now I need a bigger apartment. You didn't have any more kids. Why do you need a bigger apartment? Why do you need a bigger apartment? You know what I'm saying? Like people feel like as their income grows that they need more. I know people who make Four, five hundred thousand dollars a year. Husband and wife make two, three hundred each a year, and they are broke. And 
their lifestyle isn't so amazing. They just live in a nicer neighborhood. Like, I don't get it. Like, I don't get it. It's not like you're flying. Well, you can't afford private jets for 500000 But I'm saying, like, you're not even sitting in first class. You're not, like, I, I, you're still at work. You're still at work. I, I, I have, um, there's two other things I want to say, and you guys, you know, put it however, however you want it, when, when, you know, when you're working this out. So I told you I had $2,500 when I invested. What I didn't tell you was I was back home in New York for about a year. When I came home to New York, I had $40,000 cash. I have pictures with it because I was young, and that's what young people do. I had a ton of jewelry, mink coat, all the Jordans in the world. I will send you the pictures. You, you, you'll be like, okay, this kid's not lying. Because <laughs> I took pictures with all of it. And, but when it was time to invest, I only had 2500 Because what happened, I came back mm. to New York. So now plain $5 t-shirts and gray sweatpants didn't match. It wasn't enough. Now I had to get jerseys at that time. Jerseys were in. So I had to have a $200 basketball jersey with $200 sneakers to match with the $25 hat to match. And I mean, I had a closet full of jerseys and NBA jackets. So that and new jewelry and whatever, I wasted all that money going shopping in, you know, these high end name brand stores, buying sweaters for $800, $900 because that's what everybody was doing in New York. And I fell victim to that because it was like, I guess you call it self-conscious, whatever it is. But, you know, that's what I was into because of my environment. And when I got into, first got into the real estate thing, the, the uh, partner that I had, he invested in Park Slope. If you don't know Park Slope, Google Park Slope. Park Slope, terrible, it gentrified yeah. now. It's one of, the, one of the most expensive places you could live in, in Brooklyn. Yeah. I had an opportunity to get into a property in Park Slope for $140,000, right? I would have had to put up $14,000. I had the $14,000 when my partner had the property. He didn't let me in. So I tell people this all the time. I could have put up $14,000 and invested in a property that was $140,000 then. That right now is worth $625,000. Or, Mm. but no, I didn't. I was buying sneakers, whatever. He didn't let me in the deal. A few months later, I had to put up Thirty-eight thousand, right? For a property that right now still didn't break one hundred and twenty thousand. Just a few months later, mm-hmm. and that right there is the difference between why some people are are owners and bosses, and some people are workers and employees, and they're gonna stay that way. And if there's anybody who's listening, young, old, whatever. If you just take the plunge, if you just take, there's there's no competition. Most people are afraid to take. Mm-hmm. They're more comfortable with looking like they have money and being broke. Man, <laughs> can I give you one more? Can I give you one more? And, and, and I never, I never yeah, get to give his brother yeah. credit. And when we get this soundbite, I'm gonna. I talk about him all the time. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna send him the soundbite. I know I got his number. I'm gonna send him the soundbite. So there was a brother named Dakery. His name was Dak. And I was a young guy. I was in Minneapolis. I was 18. Dak was probably like 35, 40. He's my age now. Dak owned a bunch of properties, whatever. Dak, you couldn't tell it if you looked at him. He didn't look like he had a dollar. He just wore regular jeans, regular thermals, regular whatever. Dak was the coolest dude ever. He was a ball player. He took me around. We used to play ball together. He let me in a night gym. Everybody loved this guy. He was such a, such a good dude. He didn't pass. He's such a good dude, right? He is such a good dude. So one day I come in at the time, Iceberg was popular. 
um, like Jay Z was whatever. So I iceberg. I just came back from New yeah, York. Yeah, I just yeah. did a shopping trip. I bought a Jesus piece, and uh, uh, iced out Jesus piece in a Cuban link. Right, a very New York chain. It's popular now, but back then nobody had it. Oh Tell yeah, yeah, yeah. two thousand. Uh, Kanye didn't even have it yet because that was before Kanye got popular. We're talking 2000, 2001. So I came back in. I felt like a million bucks. I just came back from New York. I literally have, I still got the price tags because I, I tell the story because people don't believe it because I still have the outfit. I spent $800 on the track suit, a few thousand on the chain, the plane ticket, da, 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 and I walk in and he's like, yo, how much do you have on right now? I was like, I got $2,000. And I said it like, because I thought I was being fly, right? I was 18, 18. And he goes, Yo, how much money is in your pocket? And I think I might have had like 30 bucks and for lunch. And he was like, I had money in the bank, but you know, the point was, it wasn't that much. It wasn't that lifestyle. You know, it was only like maybe five or $10,000. And I only had like 30 bucks. And he goes, so you got on, he goes, so you rather have on $2,000 with $30 in your pocket than to have on $30 of clothes and $2,000 in your pocket. I thought you were smarter than that. And that day, mm. and that day forward, and I'm gonna send him this whole soundbite is when I understood that all the clothes and that materialism it didn't mean anything because I didn't have the lifestyle to match it. Man, you guys heard it. You guys heard it, man. Hassan, uh, man, has come in. Man, this story has been so or or authentic. You know, uh, it, it's crazy because. You know, not being in New York, being in Maryland now is like I can actually actually clearly hear the New York <laughs> accent. From, I, grew, I grew up in New York, you know, and it's like now, like, wow. And it's such a familiar sound, but more so, man, just your story, man. And just the way that you move and the way that you think, you know, and um, I just want all the listeners to to hear. It's like, yo, I don't care what your background is. I don't care where you come from. Man, you start applying yourself. You start thinking on your own, man. You start wanting better. And you start making the right moves and to make the right choices, uh, man. You're going, you're going, you're going to end up in a successful place. And I'm not going to define what that successful place is for you because everyone has their their different things. But uh, that place where you aspire to be, man, just really check yourself as to where you are. That question that was asked uh, to him and said, "Hey, man, you know, uh, you know, how much money you got in your pocket? <laughs> you know, like just, just that simple thing. Like, how much money in your pocket? Yeah, all the, how much money do you have in your pocket?" And it's like when you're you're saying all this stuff, it's flashing back because I remember the time period. I remember that time. Everyone's getting a chain. Everyone's getting this. Everyone's getting that. I remember it. And it was like, yo, yeah, it's one thing to be able to be that guy that's able to get it, you know, and be able to floss it and all that good stuff. But you know, to be that guy that's like, you know what, man, you know, I'm gonna I'm I'm making my money work for me. <laughs> I'm gonna wear my money work. For, I'm not gonna wear my money. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah, make my money correct. work for me. And uh, this this changing that mindset, man, took him from. Where he was, you know, doing the same thing everybody else was doing at the at that point to changing his mindset and now doing things that no one else or most people around him are not even fathoming that they can ever even do or accomplish. So man, appreciate right, thank you. you Rick. I appreciate story, that, Rick. Yeah, yeah. Hey man, thank you for thank you for sharing your story and it's so being so open and real and authentic, man. Um I, what I love about this, Rick, is that we get to speak to different people and interview them. People don't know that we apply a lot to what our listeners, our, our guests talk about. Mm-hmm. And we love building relationships because you don't know where and how this will jumpstart your life or put you where you need to be in life. So I appreciate you, brother, man. I, I really, I really, I'm really happy that I met you that day on, 
online and uh hey we don't know where this is gonna have to live and I appreciate you brothers for having me and at the very least we're gonna have a meeting coming up and I don't see why we won't do some investing and I don't see why we won't grow it and then and then maybe come back and then show the people it's as easy as a follow but I'm not following somebody to get likes on a picture man like I'm using social media for the true purpose mm. of it. I want to connect and grow and develop. Like right. I said, I rather have a like I rather have a hundred lions with me than a hundred thousand sheep. Love it, love it, love it. Well, uh, travelers, listeners all around the world, you heard it here on the Success Journey Show. Um, man, I hope you really enjoy this episode. And you know, we have so this episode and so many others that are just bringing these true organic or organic or organic and transparent stories to you so that you can see, man, what life is like. Um, we have you ever have questions about, man, would I ever be able to make it, you know, based off my background, would I ever be able to have this, would I ever be able to have that. And it's all about, Hey man, just applying yourself where you are in that moment, taking really self doing a self-assessment of who you are, um, looking at who, who's surrounding you, look at the things that you're pouring into your mind every single day. And then also look at how you're defining success, you know, look at all these things. And I, I guarantee you, man, as you start doing that, things will start shifting in your life. And uh, while you're on your journey and doing that, go to our success journey podcast, listen to the other podcasts and episodes that we have released. There are so many stories out there. And as you're listening to them, if something like sparks you, Go on to the platform that you're listen, listening to the podcast on and just uh, uh, give us a like, give us a review, give us five stars, uh, whatever it may be. Leave a comment on our Instagram or YouTube channel. Hey, guys, we're, we're doing these for you so that you guys can be better. You guys can we can help you uh, to your destination. So that's the end of another success journey uh, uh, episode. And we will be with you guys next week at the same time on a success journey show. All right, have a good one. Peace. Peace. One love, one love. You've been listening to The Success Journey Show, where your dreams, drive, determination, and diligence are the foundation to success. For more information, check out thesuccessjourneyshow.com. The Journey Squad is here helping you to your destination. 